Well, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Welcome to today's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. All of our wonderful listeners there in the United States of America, I welcome you back to, to our program and to all of our listeners all over the world, every other country. You're coming in from several countries of the globe. You could be listening to anybody, but here you are listening to us. And I'm just honored to have you. I'm honored to hopefully minister to you. Welcome every one of you everywhere, anywhere you are to Marriage and Family Clinic. In Southern Virginia, we're coming to you on WGPL 1350 on your AM dial and WPCE 1400 on your AM dial. We're also coming to you on WBXB 100.1 on your FM dial. You can also listen into the live stream every single Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can listen to the live stream at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. And if you would like to hear this or any other broadcast or any other episode in the Marriage and Family Clinic series, you can always find the podcast simply by searching Bishop C.D. Hodges. Just search Bishop C.D. Hodges on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Podbean. Search all of those. Search Bishop C.D. Hodges and you'll find Marriage and Family Clinic. Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. We hope to help you identify what makes you tick and ultimately help you repair, grow, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. We want to help you in your relationships. And I always announce that because I want to remind you, I want to remind myself even, the, the mission of this program. And I want to stick close to our mission. Everything that we say, everything that we do here is going to be in support of that mission. And that mission is to help you find out what's making you tick in your relationships. To help, to help you find out what's pushing, what's energizing, what's motivating your relationships. And when you can identify that, you can be better positioned to help yourself. All right. Now, I, I'm centering a few discussions on children. I started last week. We dealt with wisdom for children, came to you from Proverbs and and uh, just mentioned briefly a couple of scriptures from Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs is wonderful for parenting, is wonderful for expressing the nature, the dynamic of children. Proverbs even opens up by saying, listen, my son, I, I want to help you have a good life. I want to help you make a good life out of the life that you've been blessed with. I don't want you to be simple all of your life. I want to give you something to help you make a good life here. So we're dealing with children. And this week, I want to start to deal with how to love your child. I want to deal with how to love your child. Uh, I know that that probably sounds like a needless subject. It sounds like it may even sound like a senseless subject. I hear somebody out there saying, well, you don't have to tell me how to love my child. And somebody else over there, one state or another. So I see you there. I hear you there. You over there saying, uh, uh, you can't tell me how to love my child. I know my child better than anybody. I know how to love my child. And, and we have all of those assumptions. But listen, let me tell you something. Both of those assumptions are incorrect. Both of those assumptions are incorrect. And I know they're incorrect because some of us will be honest right about now. And we will say that I had children, but I really didn't know what to do. I had children, but I ran into situations during their growth and I really didn't know what to do. I really didn't know how to do, even though I had children. And of all the books that talk about parenting, 
Seems like you can never find the book that deals with your particular issues. There are going to be some issues that every family deals with, every child deals with, every mom and dad deals with, but you're going to have your own specific issues to deal with also. And nobody can write about those because they're not their issues. And here's the big deal. Here's the big deal. I think every parent probably asks themselves at one point or another. You probably ask yourself, if you have not already, you're going to. You're going to ask yourself, what is the long-term goal of parenting? What What is this parenting all about? Why, why am I parenting? What am I doing here? This child was born. I have this child. Now, what is it? What do I do with this child? What what am I trying to turn out here? What's What am I going for? What am I shooting for? Because the wise man said, if you aim for nothing, that's exactly what you're going to hit. If you don't shoot for nothing, that's exactly what you're going to hit. Nothing. It seems like by the time we get a good idea of the day-to-day -day operations of parenting, if I can phrase it that way, just for understanding's sake, by the time we get a good idea of the day-to-day -day operations of parenting, our children have grown to a place in their lives where we don't have as much influence over them as we once had. You know, you've got about those first five years, definitely no more than those first six years to make your mark. You have to make your mark. And I'm going to say something about that in just a minute, so hold on. And for some of us, by the time we get a good idea of what's going on, and by the time we get a good idea of what's supposed to go on, it's about that time for our children to leave home and transition into adulthood themselves. Now, come on, raise your hand if I'm talking to you. Put that hand up if I'm talking to you. And some of us, when your child, when our children left home or somewhere around that time, how many of you said, I wish I knew what I know now when my child was younger? If I knew back then what I know now, I could have made a bigger difference, a greater difference, a bigger difference in my child's life. I have four sons, and Lord knows I have said that for years. Lord knows what I, I said that for you. If I knew in my 20s what I knew in my 40s, wow, I could have had a greater impact in the life of my sons. But thank God they are as well as they are. And if you didn't say that one, if you didn't say that one, I know you said this one. Why didn't I? Or I wish somebody had told me that. <laughs> I wish somebody had told me that. Why did somebody tell me this? And you know, if you look back, somebody may have tried. But you know a difficult thing? A difficult thing is try to, trying to help parents deal with their children. Because just as soon, just as soon as a parent thinks that you're trying to uh, 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 offer them some advice or guidance, their mind automatically puts up walls. They automatically become defensive. And what they understand you to be saying, whatever your intentions are, whatever your words are, they hear you saying they are not good enough. And that's just so, oh, believe me, somebody listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. Ask me how I know. I've got personal experience in that. And so I want to challenge your thinking and your feeling. I want to challenge your thinking and your feeling. Loving your child is a lot more than making sure your child gets everything that you didn't get. 
and and it really bothers me when I hear some parents say that. I know I know parents mean well. I know parents mean well. But we're still misguided. It's not your job to make make sure your children get everything that you didn't get. Your purpose in life is not to make sure that your children get everything that you did not get. You, your job is to make sure that your child gets the love, the nurturing, the protection, the validation that they require. Your job is to make sure that you pass on good character to your child. If you do those things, then your child will get everything that they're supposed to get. Whether or not what you got is irrelevant. Loving your child means that you're focused on the purpose of making sure that your child gets what they need and what they're supposed to have, not what you missed. Oh, my goodness. I'm almost feeling that. You know, I think I think most mothers and fathers, we have this kind of a instinctive love for our children. Lord, I'm, I'm getting bogged down here. I want to hurry up and move on. We have this kind of what I call this instinctive love for our children. And that's that's kind of like your natural inclination to protect your child and to sacrifice for your child. Uh, that that's just that's just parenting by instinct. Protect your child and sacrifice your child. And that's why, you know, people who hurt infants, something is really wrong with them. Something is really wrong with them. Something broke in their soul to hurt an infant. And sometimes I think that God made infants so precious and so pretty. It's hard to find a baby that you don't think is precious and pretty. But God made them that. God put this babiness. A baby is so full of babyfulness. They're so full of babiness. And I think that's a move of God. That's an act of God to make sure that we're drawn to them and we're connected to them. But this natural inclination is protect and sacrifice for your child. Mamas and daddies, you have this kind of reactionary love. We love by reacting to our children. And I want to tell you something. We cannot afford to parent by reacting to our children. I told you last week, as the book of Proverbs says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it far from him. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. So if we parent by reacting, we're going to always be dealing with and addressing foolishness. But loving your child goes beyond that. I think the per purpose Listen to me here. I think the purpose of parenting is to parent on purpose. The purpose of parenting is to parent on purpose. We start, like Stephen Covey says, with an end in mind. We do things that are predetermined. We do things intentionally. We love on purpose. We love by grace. We love intentionally. I think the purpose of parenting is to parent on purpose. So loving your child or loving your children, here we go. It begins with the way you view him or her. Loving your child or your children begins with the way you view them. How do you conceive your children in your mind and in your heart? 
This is going to shape your response to them. This is going to shape your your relationship. How do you re- how do you view them? How do you what is your philosophy about your child, not children in general, your children? How do you conceive your children in your mind and heart? What truth comes to you when you look at or when you think about your child? When you look at or think about your children, what truth guides you from that point on? Here you are, my child. Now, what truth guides you? I'll tell you what that truth should be if you don't know. When you look at or think about your child, you should see him or her as a precious gift given to you by God. That that should be your view. My child is a gift from God. My child is a gift. I said this a long time ago. The Bible said it a long time before me. I'm going to continue to say it. Psalms 127 and 3 states it perfectly. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are reward from him. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are reward from him. And I'll add a little flavor to that and give it to you from the Message Bible. Don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb, his generous legacy? Children are God's best gift. Next to salvation, God's best gift to you are children. Wow, isn't that something? Isn't that something? And I'll say this again because I'm going to keep on saying it. I'll keep on saying it. It matters not how the child got here. It matters not how the child got here. Once the child is here, the child is God's gift. And that's why you can't afford to look at your child. You can't afford to look at your son and see his father who left and didn't treat you right. That's not why God gave you the child. No matter how the child got here, the child is God's gift to you, God's best gift to you. And I know this is a subject that becomes a line in the sand for so many, but I got to say this momentarily. I'm so sorry to see that the answer to so many problems, the answer to so many of life dilemmas is to terminate God's gift while it's still in the womb. Ah, that might be a discussion for another day. But right now I'm talking about how to love your child. Loving your child, loving your child, first of all, means seeing your child as God's gift to you. And when you see your child as God's gift to you, then you get down to the business of establishing a relationship with your child that demonstrates to your child that the parent-child relationship is the most magnificent, the most significant thing in the world. Oh my God. Did you get that? When you are viewing your child as a gift from God, this is God's best gift to me? Oh, you're going to get down to the business of establishing a relationship with your child that demonstrates to your child. Your relationship with your child is going to demonstrate to your child. It's going to teach your child. It's going to show your child. It's going to prove to your child that your parent-child relationship is the most magnificent, the most significant thing in the world. 
Wow. That's an awesome thought. And loving your child, loving your child. Actually, this starts to happen. When, I, when I'm talking about establishing this relationship here, it starts to happen as soon as your child is born. I used to say as soon as the child comes home from the hospital. But, you know, if the child's in, a couple of, in the hospital for a couple of days, this bond begins to take place before the child ever comes home. This bond begins to take place as soon as the child is born, especially between mother and child. Mother nurses the child. So from the moment the child is born, mom and dad, you, you've got to be about the business of establishing a relationship with your child that demonstrates to the child that your parent-child relationship is the most magnificent and the most significant thing in the world. Starts just as soon as that baby is born. Consistently meeting your child's needs demonstrates to your child and teaches your child that the relationship with him or her is is primary is his primary means of safety and security i want you to get that as you meet that child need you're teaching that child about security you're teaching that child about their place in the world as you meet that child needs you're demonstrating to that child you're teaching that child that the parent-child relationship is, is his or her primary means of safety and security. That's what's going on here. Talking about how to love your child. And listen, when you start meeting that baby's needs, even from the moment, even from the moment he's born, from the moment he comes home from the hospital, as you start meeting that baby's need, I'm going to share something with you here. I just don't have words for it. I don't get it. But you'll probably agree with me. As you're meeting that baby's needs from the moment he's born, something unexplainable starts to happening in that baby's heart and mind. As you're consistently meeting that baby's needs, you're actually causing that baby's brain to shape in a way that recognizes you as no other person in the world. That baby will recognize you before he or she recognizes anyone else in the world. And this is why when strangers come around, that baby turns to you and clings to you. Something unexplainable, unexplicable has happened to bond the two of you together. It's shaping, it's shaping the baby's brain. Huh. Neurons are firing and forming these connections that say, you are the one. Something unexplainable is happening. You are actually securing a place in that baby's heart that can never be filled by anyone else. You're securing a place. Man, that baby, by the time that baby grows up and get married and stays married for 40, 50 years, they're going to spend more time around someone else way longer, decades longer than they spent around you. But the impact that you're going to make in that baby's life, that child's life, by meeting that child's need, is going to make an immovable, indelible impact on their heart and on the mind. Beginning with infancy, as you're securing a place and uh, as you're taking care of that baby's needs consistently, you're securing your place in that baby's heart. It, it can never be filled by no one else. No one else can ever be mother or father. No one else will ever be able to be mama or daddy. 
even us folks. Uh, and, you know, I have some really wonderful relationship with some spiritual sons and daughters. But I'm not their father. I'm still not their father. I've even been told you're like the father that I never had. But I'm still not their father. No one else can ever take mama or daddy's place. Are you hearing me here? And even if mom and daddy weren't adapted uh, at being mama and daddy, you still, even if you weren't a good mom and daddy, you still leave a hole that can't be filled by nobody else. Loving your child means meeting his or her needs. And to meet those needs, you have to know what those needs are. You know an infant's needs. They're easy to determine. You feed them, you change them. Then you watch them sleep for three hours. They wake up and you do it all over again. You feed them, you change them, you burp them. You watch them sleep for three hours. They wake up, you do it all over again. But that routine is making something happen in the child's mind. That routine is making something happen in the child's heart. Don't ever forget that. And as the child grows older, those needs become a little more difficult to discern. Well, I, I want to get through this before I run out of time. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. Some of you may recognize this text better from the King James Version. Train up a child in the way he should go. and When he's old, he will not depart from it. And there are a couple of things that we can deduce, we can deduct from this proverb. The proverb said, you mama, you daddy, you direct your children onto the right path so that they can be productive, self-sustaining, caring, compassionate, will, purpose, adults. That's the end of it all. That's the goal of it all. But here's some that we can deduce from that proverb. First of all, the first thing is, whatever the way is that you train your child in, that's the way that's going to stay with them. Whatever way you train them in, that's the way that's going to stay with them. Whatever way you train them in, that's the way that will determine their attitude, that their disposition, their personality, their temperament, their will, their sense of self, and everything else about them. Whatever way you train them in, the way you train them up is the way that will make or break them. That's the first thing. Whatever way you train them in, that's, that's where they're going to be. That's what they're going to be. You keep that in mind. While you're telling, while you're telling little two and three-year-old boys, big men don't cry, big boys don't cry. They're not a big boy. They're not a man. You want them to learn how to handle those emotions. The second thing we gain from this proverb, the second thing we glean from this proverb, train up a child in the way he should go, is this right here. In order to train your child in the right way, you need to know the right way yourself. And I'm going to say something right now, may not sit well with a lot of folks, but it bears saying anyhow. And it doesn't make it less true. Here it is. The way that was right for you may not be the way that's right for your child. Train up a child in the way that he should go. In order to train up a child in the way that he or she should go, you have to know the way that's right for your child. And the way that was right for you may not be right for your child. 
Look in the mirror, point the finger at the one that you see in the mirror and let them know the way that was right for you may not be the way that's right for your child. You can't conclude that the way you were trained uh, 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 is the way that's right for your child. You can't even conclude that the way you were trained was is the way that's right for you. You cannot conclude the way that you were trained is the way that you should have gone. You just know it so well because you were trained in it. From time to time, I hear people say something like, my mother beat me all the time and I turned out all right. Well, that's a matter of opinion. That's a matter of opinion. You need to ask some people whom you trust. What do you think about me and my personality and my disposition? I'm guaranteeing you they will tell you some things that will call into question the way that your mama and daddy trained you. You may not have turned out as right as you think you did. You need to ask somebody else about that. All I'm saying is that the way that you were trained may not be the way your child should be trained. Listen, there are universal right ways. There are some universal right ways. That means that there are some things that every child should be trained in. The Ten Commandments, for example. The Ten Commandments serve as a universal way to train up a child. Every child should be trained to know that it's wrong to lie, wrong to steal, wrong to cheat. Uh, uh, when, you get, uh, uh, when you become an adult, wrong to mess with somebody else's wife or husband. Every child should be trained in that way. Every child should be trained how to work and be accountable. Go get a job, make a career, be an entrepreneur. Every child should be trained in how to fend for themselves and to be accountable. Those qualities and so many more are what I call universally right ways. Those are universally right ways. But then there are other ways that a child should be brought up in that are different from other people. I call these individual specific ways. And when it comes to individual specific ways, I'm talking about the path of life that suits your child. There is a path of life that suits your child's personality, his knowledge, his skills, his gifts, his abilities, his passions. How do you find out that path of life that's right for your child? That's your job as a parent. That's a part of you loving your son or daughter. You have to study your child to find out their path. Walk and talk with your child. That just means work the relationship out. Work the relationship out. You got to find out their path. Study them. And you're studying them by walking and talk with them. You have to treat your child like there really is a specific path for him or her. And give them credit for knowing some things. I'm talking to you whatever age your child is right now. Give them credit for knowing some things about themselves. Allow them to have some input in their lives. Treat your child like he or she matters. Remember, your way may not be the best way for your child. You have to be of the mind that there are some things I have to make sure that I get in my child. You cannot train a child in the way they should go if you don't know that way that they should go. You cannot train a child in the way that they should go if you do not know that way that they should go. Your child will begin to show inclinations and proclivities early in life. Listen to me here. Your child will begin to show inclinations and pro, uh, proclivities early in life. 
She may gravitate to certain types of toys. He may pick up on certain skills really quickly. Whatever it is, they're going to gravitate to things. They're going to show inclinations and proclivities. They're going to show uh, likes and dislikes for things. It may sound like what I'm saying in this episode is only for parents who have newborns or really young children. But what I'm saying to you, actually what I'm saying to you, it works at any age. And I'll be honest with you. It'll be more difficult the longer you wait to start. This thing is going to be more difficult the longer you wait to start. If you haven't been a stable figure in your life, in your child's life for the first 13 years, and then you show up and want to be this great parent, you're going to have a hard time. Remember how to love your child. Remember how to love your child. It's all about establishing the relationship that demonstrates to your child. This parent-child relationship is the most magnificent and the most significant thing in the world. Meeting that need, meeting those needs secures your place in the heart. Be on the lookout for their proclivities. Be on the lookout for their inclinations. Watch for their knowledge, skills, and gifts, abilities, their passions to show up. Watch for them to show up. They're going to show up. And I'm saying this to you, it works at any age, all right? And there's no time like the present to start listening to your child. Don't assume, don't assume you know everything about your child. You don't. Learn to listen to your child. My goodness, I'm all out of time. I am all out of time. I appreciate you listening. Uh, I've got to get out of here. Uh, uh, listen, if you want to hear this again, just look up the podcast. Uh, search Bishop C.D. Hodges on iTunes, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean. Just look me up on those. And get busy loving your child. I got to get out of here, but never forget, never forget, you can't have peace without surrendering your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. Go get the victory. We're out.